0: chapter twelve of a girl of high adventure this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot a girl of high adventure by L. T. meet chapter twelve gem of the ocean there was no doubt on this occasion with regard to the welcome prepared for little margot saint Juste. She and her beloved uncle John and the repartition, as she called the uninteresting English girl, arrived at the station nearest to Desmond Town somewhat late at night. Matilda was overcome with delight at the thought of her three weeks at Desmond Town. She begged and implored of Margaret to call her Tilly. Margaret said That's not your name in my mind. But when Uncle Jacob looked at the little girl out of his kind, thoughtful, sweet eyes, she felt a sudden lump rising in her throat. Why should she be unkind to Tilly? I'll call you Till, she said. Only please don't clasp my hand quite so tight. I'm an Irish girl and this is Ireland, beautiful Ireland. The first gem of the ocean, the first pearl of the sea, murmured Uncle Jacob. Yes, that's right, said Margaret. You'll see what it is like in the morning. Till and Grandfather, the blessed darling, says that you may stay for three whole weeks. That is, if you're good. Of course I'll be good. I'll be very good indeed, said Tillie. Anyone would be like La Petite Comtesse. I'm not La Petite Comtesse here, said Margaret. I'm Pushkin here. And most likely the old youngs will call you Nanny God nanny good but i won't be nanny good said matilda thoroughly offended well we'll see but you can't help yourself and who are the old youngs asked tilly you'll see them also till remarked margaret oh uncle jacko darling uncle jacko have we arrived we have a kushla makri, elana heart's best darling At the elderly clergyman clasping the child for one swift moment tightly in his arms ah but you are the soul of my soul he muttered tilly looked on in amazement she began to consider all these foolish words none of which she could understand as a certain token that the irish were half mad still it was glorious to be close to la petite comtesse the train drew up at the station in that slow drawling way in which irish trains mostly do in out-of-the-way places and lo and behold wherever margaret looked she saw great bonfires and smiling faces and there as large as life were phineas manoli and the wife also phileas manoli and their two big childer and the infant who one moment howled and the next creaked with delight he really he really came out of a cabbage leaf said margaret he wasn't Hedge as lots them are here the old youngs are hatched so often they are tired of the job oh i must go and speak to that darling baby uncle jacko hold still, and i'll be back in a minute but weren't the melanies glad just beside themselves with joy at the thought of the pushkin coming back to them again then this yes that are welcome said any melanie childer speak to her beautiful mightiness drop your courtesies as i taught ye There, no hold yourselves back ah then my pushkin lamb it's me that is glad to see ye it's the heart hunger i had when he left and long life to ye and to mr mansfield who has turned into a beautiful gent for all that he wore but a farmer's son it was me that thought of the bonfires do ye see them a-blazing to the right of ye and left of ye? Little may she ask her, I do, I do. It was lovely of you, Annie, said Margaret, and she kissed the young woman, who whispered to her back somewhat shyly. Is that child to himself? Margaret burst into one of her ringing laughs. Child to my holy uncle, Jacob exclaimed Margaret. No, she is reparation. That's what she is. Don't keep me now, any. I'll come to see you tomorrow or next day. Then Phineas, who intended to offer a very nervous paw for your little girl to shake, but was diverted by a hearty and most vigorous kiss, lifted Missy and re into the funny cart. The luggage was lifted in also, and they started off bump, bump, up hill and down dale, all the way to Desmondstone. Margaret was all too excited to speak the clergyman walked beside phineas and kept talking to him and each moment the road became ruddy with more firelight and great shoots of flame rose up and filled the air for was not the first dry and firm and were there not great stacks of it and did not Carson's keep putting fresh supplies on all in honour of missy as to the darling of dasmond in her uncomfortable seat, felt very tired and half dropped asleep, but Margaret suggested that she should sit on one of the backs and lean her head against Margaret's own knee and then disgraceful as it may sound, Tilly did drop asleep. But when they came to Desmond's town itself there was such yelling and waving and dancing and laughter. Laughter so loud and yet so clear that even english tilly could not sleep through it and behold all the old youngs were waiting at the gate to welcome them and the largest bonfires of all were alongside of the avenue which tilly described afterwards to her english friends as a wall of fire it was done in honour of us she wrote they know how to welcome people properly in ireland but in addition to the bonfires great archers had been flung up across the weedy narrow path and on these were written the well-known irish words kid Milofalte," which seemed to be right and left of little Margaret. she knew well now the meaning of the generous and noble words tilly was wide awake with a vengeance and the old youngs both boys and girls ran down the avenue with whoops and cries and kid Milofalte pushkin sounding from their lips at last they reached the old porch and entered by the wide double oak doors and there behold stood madame and fergus with his grave still face and in the distance the desmond was to be seen holding a lighted torch in his hand very erect indeed was the desmond and his beard seemed longer and whiter than ever and his eyes blacker and more piercing and his great stalwart form was like that of a giant Margaret flew like a little creature all on wires from uncle fergus to madame Madam, darling madam, she said, that's the girl Till. Tell the young golds to look after her, for my heart is bursting till I get to the Desmond. But when she did get to him, the torch was extinguished, and the very tall and majestic old man and the beautiful girl entered his special sanctum side by side. They were alone, they were together once more. Little did Margaret think of anyone else in that moment of glad reunion i said i would come back and i have come she said oh granddad oh granddad how lovely you look you are worth twenty of monsieur a le comte bon grandpère in france speak not of him my child said the desmond i hate him with a deadly hate oh no no said little Margaret. he means well and he can't help being very old and feeble you see i had to bring reparation with me whatever does the pushkin mean now said the desmond that tall ungainly english girl said margaret i had to bring her she is reparation that's as queer a name as i ever heard said the desmond but grandad said margaret you'll have to be getting in a reparation on your own account if you speak against mon grandpère of france ah fist! let him abide said the old man. I care nothing so that I have ye my pushkinelana Ah but let me look at ye let me feast my eyes on your little face Ah but ye are my elana No doubt on that and here comes madam here comes herself Madam we have got our child back we have got our darling back once more but sweet dainty little madam looked disturbed there's a girl that I can't make head or tail of She's crying out for you, Margaret Ashtore. I have set my three young daughters in their bloom upon her, but she won't have naught to do with them. She keeps screaming and screeching. You had best speak to her for a minute or two, my little Elena. May I go, Grandad? asked Margaret. It's only reparation. I'll soon put her right. Madam, stay with Grandad and pet him awful. I know my way and I'll smooth down reparation as quick as a lightning flash. Brett grandied a great lot, Madam, for, oh, he's such a darling. Little Margaret whisked out of the room in a French frock and with a trifle of a French manner. Madam, said the old man, and he lifted up his voice and wept, I've lost her entirely. Bedard, she's turned Frenchy on me, and what are we to do with the girl she calls reparation? She's herself the same as ever she was, said Madam. Sweet and true and dear. Hold up your head, Fergus. Man, and don't shame us with your tears. Meanwhile, Margaret found her way to the part of her ramshackle old house where these young old aunts and young old uncles, with the exception of Fergus, were doing their best with Tilly. Tilly was in floods of tears. I want Margaret. I want La Comtesse, she exclaimed. And I don't see any old youngs. I only see the aged around me the very aged and i hate the place without la countess la to be sure there's no countess here said nora and if we young things ain't young enough for you why ye'd best be going ye can sleep in your bit of bed tonight yes and in the morning i'll drive ye back to the station and put ye in the train so that ye can get to the place only fit for the likes of you and that's england said melashi I'd be ashamed to kick up a fluster in an Irish nobleman's house, said Bruce. But you English have no manners, none at all. Just then, Margaret appeared on the scene. Ah, said Tilly, making a rush at her. I can't, Tilly. I can't reparation. I told you so when I invited you here. I told you that I had to spend all my time with my granddad. I'm ashamed of you, Tilly. That I am. You'd be frightened to that." to sit in the room with himself. He'd let out a ye- yell at you if you sat in the room with him and cried. You wouldn't do it twice. That I can tell you. What more can you want than what's provided? Here's Aunt Nora. She's beautiful and young. And here's Aunt Bride. She's hashed about every second day. And here's dear Aunt Aline. And they're all as young as you till. As a matter of fact, Their spirits are much, much younger. And Uncle Bruce and Uncle Meleshi are so funny. They'll make you laugh all to fits. If you want to go home tomorrow, you can. I'm not wanting you, but you're not to screech in this house. Hello, here comes supper, said Bruce, as a huge joint of cold beef was brought in. Accompanied by a great dish of pickles and an enormous platter of the very best potatoes, all bursting out of their skins and showing balls of flour within come and eat till that's what you want said margaret i must go back to granddad but i'll come to you by and by in your room now the sight of the excellent food was certainly reviving to matilda reigns and when malachi offered to lead her to the festive board doing so with a succession of hops and skips and jumps she suddenly found herself bursting into fits of laughter are you one of the old youngs she managed to whisper to him i am nothing i am only malashi i breed horses that's what i do would you like me to mount ye on one tomorrow i would said tilly her eyes sparkling then i will if ye stop that hullabaloo you'll hold me tight for i've never rode in my life said tilly ah blessings on the girleen but ye can learn for sure. Yes, I can learn. I expect you can. Nora, pour out a glass of milk for her. Biddy, Akushla, I'm ready for some of that home-brewed beer. Now then, babies all to supper. The supper was so good, and the old young people were so merry, that Tilda forgot her fears. She longed inexpressibly for Margaret, and for the refined life of the French school at Arles. But nevertheless, there were never any potatoes like these, and Malashi had such a twinkle in his eye, and whenever she glanced at Bruce, he winked back at her in the most comforting way. Then Nora's and Bridget's mirth were irresistible. In short, Tilly began to enjoy herself, and when, by and by, Margaret crept into the room set apart for reparation, in which the young girl was lying sound asleep, she felt comparatively happy about her Margaret was on her way to her own room the dressing room of the desmond when she unexpectedly and to her intense joy met her beloved uncle jacko she stopped him at once he put his arms around her and kissed her uncle Jacob, you are a holy priest aren't you i am a clergyman of the church of england my dear little girl Uncle Jacko, I had to bring Tilly here, I didn't want to, but she, she is reparation. I don't understand you, my pet. Oh, Uncle Jacko, I hadn't any opportunity to tell you when we were coming here and it was a long, a very long journey and I was tired and Tilly was tired and you were tired, but now, oh, I must tell you in as few words as possible. Uncle Jacko, your little Marguerite told a black, black lie. You didn't," said Uncle Jacob, starting back as though something pressed against his heart. "I did. It came about in this way: Madame La Comtesse told the Comte Saint Juste that she had given up her enormous magazine. She said she had plenty of money without working any more, and the Comte, mon grandpère. He believed her, but she didn't give it up at all in reality and she sent me there every day to sell hats and ropes to the customers and at last some wicked girls in the school that I went to, they had seen me in the shop and they went and told grandpere, Lay pauvre Grandpa, and he fell down in a sort of fit and madame was beside herself, but when he came to I told him that the establishment belonged to Madame Marcel and he grew happy again and he forgave ma pauvre grandmère. Oh, but it was terrible, for I had told a black, black lie. Then I thought I would repair it by bringing Tilly here. I couldn't confess because I am not a Catholic, so that seemed the the only thing to do. Oh, Uncle Jacob, can you forgive me? Have you asked God to forgive you, my little child? I am a sinful man, but he, he is perfect. It was a difficult time for you, my little Margaret. But you must on no account disturb the Desmond, say nothing to him about the shop. You have three months to spend with him, and when I come to fetch you back to Alice, we can talk further on this matter. Oh, Uncle Jacko, you are good, you are good, and you won't cease to love me. I shall never do that, my sweet babe, and you will stay here for a couple of days, won't you? I will stay here till Monday, said the clergyman, and I will do my very utmost to make Tilly happy. Now that I understand why she has come, I can manage her. Good night. Sleep well, my little one. Margaret did sleep well on her soft bed. The big, untidy room had been changed and altogether altered. Malashi had papered the walls white. Nora and Bridget had painted the doors a bright emerald green. There was a little bedstead with white muslin draperies put all ready for the child to sleep in. And there was a writing table in the window and a chest of drawers which had been bought as a bargain by Phineas by the express orders of Malachi. Then there was a deep cupboard in the wall in which the dainty and innumerable little French frocks could be hung. But when Margaret awoke the next morning, flushed with sleep, safe and happy, Little knowing that Madame and Desmond had been gazing at her at the dawn of the day, she discovered in a deep corner of that same cupboard an ugly little frock which had been made for her before she came to Desmondstown. It was a frock made in the ugliest imaginable style by a dressmaker, chosen by Aunt Priscilla. Nevertheless, it was the dress she had worn when first the Desmond had seen his little grandchild. Without a moment's hesitation, she put it on. Bruce and Malachy brought her in a hot bath in one of the famous washing tubs, and clean and refreshed, she rushed downstairs to kiss Granddad. He was in his accustomed place by the great turf fire, and he stared first at the little frock and then at the happy child. Suddenly a cloud seemed to lift from his brow. He opened his big arms wide and folded her into them, and said, "Ah." but the almighty be praised i have got you back again my bit thing i didn't half know you last night dressed up as a frenchie i am an irishie today, granddad said margaret with a merry laugh so you are my bit mavenin so you are the lord be praised for all his mercies now margaret had been given by madame marcel on the last day of her appearance at her establishment five hundred francs which meant the solid sum of twenty pounds And as her grandmother, Madam, paid all her expenses to England, in fact, beyond England, to Desmondstown, she had this 20 pounds intact. Her first idea had been to buy pretty things to take to the old youngs and to the dear old olds in Paris. But an instinct kept her back from doing this and finally she made up her mind to consult Uncle Fergus on the subject. Uncle Fergus was very reliable. He would tell her what the beloved family at Desmond's town wanted most. Matilda Reynes had got over her nervous terrors of the night before and enjoyed beyond words playing horses with the old young aunts. She was therefore quite off Margaret's mind and Margaret determined while Uncle Jacob was talking to the Desmond to seek an interview with Uncle Fergus. She found him in the great front courtyard. He looked anxious and even when he saw Margaret hardly smiled but when she ran up to him and slipped her hand into his he said presently pushkin presently he then went on giving his orders to the men but he felt all the time the soft little warm hand in his as though it was something unsurpassably delightful well pushkin he said at last pushkin unfolded a simple story she had an enormous lot of money twenty solid pounds no less, that she wanted to devote to the dearest family in the world, the Desmonds. Would Uncle Fergus teach her how to spend it? There came a flash in the dark eyes of the future Desmond of Desmondstown. Tell me, little one, he said. Is it true that that Frenchman really keeps a shop? She told John Mansfield, and he told me. So you needn't fear to confide in me. I won't, Uncle Fergus, I won't. Now I am sure the shop is hers. As you know so much, you may as well know more. I went every day to sell goods in it, and that's why I have got my 20 pounds. And you work while I am idle, little Pushkin, said Fergus Desmond. Oh, I don't mind. I, I like it, said little Margaret. But it can't be any longer, said Fergus Desmond. Put that 20 pounds into the ground at Desmond's town, Pushkin. Bury it, said Margaret with a look of horror. In a sort of way, bury it, said Fergus. The old fruit trees are worn out. We'll buy new ones, you and I, and I'll turn into a real son of the soil. And the fruit trees will bring forth fruit and we'll sell them, you and I, Pushkin. It will be a joint concern between us. I'll do the work and I'll give you so much interest on the money. Now not a word to the Desmond. Not a word. We'll turn this rich piece of land into a beautiful, thriving fruit garden, and I'll buy the young trees at once, and you'll watch me while I'm making the desert blossom as a rose. Oh, Uncle Fergus, you are splendid, said the child. Don't you fear, but you'll get your money back and more, said Uncle Fergus. I'm off today to get the young trees. I know where I can get them cheap. End of chapter 12.